I'm neither doing it for my own trophies or pleasure, nor am I doing it with the ego that I have the power to change somebody or change the audience. I'm doing it because I think I have the skill, like different people have different skills. And when you have something, when you're good at something, it's your obligation to own it and give it back to the world. Just like a scientist gives back his science to the world, just like a poet gives poetry to the world. It's your responsibility, if you're good at something, to offer that to the world. This is episode number five of Hustle with Harneet, and you will be listening to my conversation with Aditya Maheshwaran, management consultant and an award-winning speaker. Welcome everyone to Hustle with Harmeet. My name is Harmeet Singh and I'm your host for this show. Every week I interview interesting personalities from across the globe. The insights and hacks shared by our guests will help you achieve a winner's mindset as well as inspire you to live a life full of passion and purpose. My special guest on the show today is Aditya Maheshwaran. Aditya is a management consultant based out of London. He partners with organizations in areas such as strategy, transformation, leadership, and coaching. He is a thought leader and sought-after keynote speaker in topics related to leadership, future of work, human mind, and spiritual inquiry. He is a TEDx speaker and the first Indian representing India to enter the finals of World Championship of Public Speaking where he had a podium finish in 2015. In today's episode, Aditya has shared his insights on how was his journey leading up to the finals of World Championship of Public Speaking, how his life changed post this global recognition of being one of the finest public speakers in the world, what is public speaking, why are we humans wired to be afraid of public speaking, how to find genuine public speaking mentors, learnings from competing at the world stages. Aditya also shared his insights on leadership. What is leadership? Common mistakes which leaders make and how we can avoid them. How to groom managers into leaders and what is purpose-based leadership. Before we begin, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and you may also connect with us on our Instagram page at the rate hustle with Hermit for all the latest updates on our upcoming episodes. So let's jump into our episode number five. Hi everyone. Today's episode is going to be super exciting and epic because we have the one and only Aditya Maheshwaran in the house. Welcome to the show, Aditya. Thank you, Harvard. It's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to have you here today. Uh, so Aditya, I want to take you back to the year 2015, when your historic speech, Scratch, landed you the podium finish at the World Championship of Public Speaking in Las Vegas. The world witnessed the rise of Aditya as a speaker and a public speaking star was born. So could you please share with us, how was that journey leading up to the finals of the World Championship? It was an interesting journey because, as you rightly said, Harmit, so uh, recognition is often given uh, once it's validated with a trophy or a medal or a certificate. Uh, but a lot of what that recognition required needed to be done prior to that recognition or prior to even that year. 
So my journey in Toastmasters began in 2006. And uh, ever since, uh, my first six years went a lot on leadership roles. I was a club officer, then a district officer. It's only really in 2014 that I got into contesting seriously. And that was, again, because I I was keeping on moving cities, so I couldn't continue my leadership track, per se, in, in one single district. So when I moved to Bombay, I realized, why not contest instead of doing nothing at Toastmasters? So I got into contesting. I won in 2014 at the district level, went to Kuala Lumpur for the world championship. And that was like a child in a, you know, watching a circus. It's, it's all passive, yet it's very fascinating. But then in 2015, I knew that I can belong there because of my previous experience. And so in 2015, I went that extra mile and reached the finals and had a podium finish. Fantastic. And as rightly said by you, Aditya, the Aditya which we saw on the stage that day, it was not built in one day. There was years of struggle, years of hustle behind that. And as someone rightly said, champions are made in the off-season. <laughs> so I, I want to ask you something. The life must have certainly that's what I believe might have changed for you post reaching the finals of the world championship. So I want your take on that. Did you really feel the change in life or how has the shift been in your life post this recognition of being one of the finest speakers in the world? Well, life quickly levels you and humbles you. So the immediate, uh, the immediate interesting paradox in all this was I took my flight back from Las Vegas to Bombay. I had the I had two beautiful trophies, the semi-final and the second runner-up, first runner-up. And I got back to office, uh, my consulting firm that I was working for then in Mumbai. And the first question I get from my super boss was, why haven't you been replying to emails? I said, I was on leave. He said, there's so much to catch up. I said, you know, I, I was in a world championship. He said, oh, what does that mean? I said, public speaking championship. He said, but we all know you speak well. What, what, what's this? He said, no, we got to give a seven-minute speech. So he suddenly called everybody in the floor to a conference room and said, Aditya, speak. I was like, what do you want me to speak? And then he said, you said you're a world champion. Now you can't even speak. I said, but what do you want me to speak? <laughs> So, so it kind of uh, puts things in perspective. But uh, jokes apart, uh, it's been very kind to me. So um, I've traveled over 20 countries addressing both Toastmaster and non-Toastmaster audiences. Uh, but you know what I, I believe, Harbert, is that uh, any validation like MBA from Harvard or world champion of public speaking, any kind of certificate or stamp or trophy is is a great pedestal to give you the first opportunity. Meaning, if you win the world championship or end up in the top three, you get invited to speak in many districts. Now, the question is, are you getting re-invited to speak in these districts? Are you being able to go beyond just those masters and create impact outside of those masters? That depends not so much on the trophy. That depends on the track record that you've created yourself after winning the trophy. You know, if uh, somebody from Australia or the Middle East may invite you to speak because you're a world champion, but then if you if you're not delivering value in those speeches, there, these are not seven-minute speeches. These could be one-hour, two-hour, four-hour sessions. Then you're not you're not called back again. So yes, life did change 
because of the victory at in 2015 but a lot of what i've been able to achieve has been because of the track record i've created for myself through the value i deliver because remember i, I was not the world champion i was the first runner up and and the opportunities are very different to begin with right and as one of my mentors once told me harmeet make a dollar and a difference at the same time <laughs> you're right that's that and that and if we can all find out a balance where we are comfortable doing that and that's i think purpose isn't it because the capitalism itself uh, though it's seen as a very very greedy mean um, institution also believes that unless you make profits you cannot invest in good things as well isn't it you need Absolutely. to companies need to make that delta to put it back into even solving society's problems so similarly i'm sure we all can find a mid path where we can follow our passion at the same time uh, make good a good living out of it so i think you talked about creating an impact through your speeches through your talks in different countries so what is it that you look forward to every day you get up in the morning so what is it that drives you ditya and is there something a big picture you're following in your life can can you have your take on that sure so initially my what would drive me uh, harmeet was uh, was to add value to my audiences in my consulting profession be smart know things and uh, ensure i'm the best consultant a client can have the best speaker an audience can listen to but nowadays what drives me is i i find doing that alone uh, in isolation a bit hollow if what i say is not available for observation in my own behavior meaning if i can't tell an audience to do certain things uh, but that not reflected in my own day to day uh, grace of my own conduct or behavior so i put a lot of value on asking myself through reflection and introspection all right so we speak a lot of things learn a lot of things read a lot of things watch a lot of videos there is so much of information overload in us how much of that is really seeping in how Absolutely. how much that is available for day to day day to day practice uh, with least resistance of our own ego and mind so unless that resistance is being removed all of this remains passive knowledge so my purpose has been more inward in the last few years asking myself Uh, am i really is my everyday life necessarily being better because of everything that i'm reading and doing and saying and unless i i'm able to demonstrate it through my own life it's 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 hypocritical to just go to an audience and say all the right things uh, and right. not believe in it myself so that is that is what i think of most of the time these days right uh, so taking this conversation ahead with you aditya what is public speaking for aditya and has the meaning changed for you since the first time you went on stage as a 19 year old oh it's changed a lot as a 19 year old um, uh, the the last thing in my mind was my audience it was audience was more of i was using the audience as a prop to make myself feel good <laughs> it didn't matter whether these were these 20 people or another 20 people as long as there were 50 60 people in the audience uh, i was excited to go there because i felt great standing there and um because i was good at good at it so i wanted the thrill of it i didn't really care who was or what they took away from from my speech. right now that's that's not bad because as long as you feeling great on stage uh, you may be feeling good doing that but after a point you realize that it starts getting boring if it's all about you because how many trophies can you win or how many 
positive praises or comments because from the 100th praise the incremental pleasure in each of it starts reducing the first time somebody comes and tells you aditya you have a great flair in public speaking it seems like they've made your day the 100th time somebody says that you still like it but it doesn't give you as much pleasure at it as it initially yeah. gave it of diminishing margins isn't it absolutely so similarly with trophies similarly with our toastmaster ribbons similarly with opportunities so finally you hit a low point again after many years at that time you realize probably you've been climbing the ladder that's been leaning against the wrong wall so now let's shift the ladder to another wall which is not so much about you but which is about the audience then you start thinking about uh, i'm an instrument of influence i'm a catalyst of change i have the opportunity to make someone think differently or feel differently or do or say dif- something differently um give someone hope and i've had this experience as many time in my life when people have got back to me after hearing me give a speech or after listening to my education session where they said you've changed the way i'm thinking and that started giving me more joy wasn't so much about aditya you had a great conclusion or opening to aditya that has really triggered a thought in me to be different so that started giving me more joy off late i've been thinking harmeet the third stage of my evolution is i'm neither doing it for my own trophies of pleasure nor am i doing it with the ego that i have the power to change somebody or change the audience <laughs> i'm i'm doing it because i think i have the skill like different people have different skills and when you have something when you're good at something it's your obligation to own it and give it back to the world just like a scientist gives back his science to the world just like a poet gives poetry to the world uh it's your responsibility if you're good at something to offer that to the world it's not an it's not a with a spirit of ego it's because that's your contribution to the world and as they say if you're living below your potential you're doing a disservice to the humanity very beautifully said exactly so how do you define public speaking aditya what's the first thing which comes to your mind when you hear the word the phrase public speaking the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, influence uh, because influence is a broader term you can influence people inside your house on a stage one on one one to many every minute of our lives we are influencers either to get something or the other if we have nobody to influence we start influencing ourselves both the good and bad <laughs> so so we we keep influencing and public speaking is probably the most structured way of creating impact and influence so you have a stage and you have your audience now if you're speaking for 5 minutes to an audience of 20 people you're responsible for 20 into 500 man or person minutes isn't it so that's a big responsibility even if you think you're doing only a 5 minute gig in front of 100 people that's that's 500 minutes of uh, people time that's a huge responsibility so public speaking to me is a very structured mode of influence which gives you a lot of power but with that comes a lot of responsibility that's very powerfully said uh, so aditya the human brain starts working the moment you were born and never stops until you stand up to speak in public those are the lines said by george jessel so why are we humans wired to be afraid of public speaking there is an element of unknown attached in public speaking because it it puts to threat things that we value most which is the opinions that others have of us 
Will people judge me? What if I fail? These are just primal instincts, isn't it? Not just in public speaking, in any facet of life, us being sensitive to other people's opinion of us or us uh, not living up to our reputation that we have set prior, uh, us not wanting the audience to think last time was a one-time wonder. I can't replicate it in the future. Um, and our own superiority or inferiority complexes, these are primal instincts, I think, developed through evolution. In neuroscience that we learn that there are a few things that increases our threat antennas in us, which could be right. status or which could be uh, fairness or which could be uh, the fear of unknown. So these things uh, were useful probably in the savannas uh, many thousands of years ago, uh, because if a, if a lion was hiding behind the bushes, uh, the early man had to had a keen threat antenna that flashes to understand there's a threat lurking behind to run because the person who doesn't run is the person who's eaten by the lion first. Today, that lion doesn't exist but being a proverbial lion. And the lion today means psychological threats. And psychological threats today are the fear of the unknown, uh, my reputation, uh, my own ego getting tarnished. So public speaking feeds into all of these fears. And that's why it's one of the biggest fears that mankind has ever faced or at least accepted for. But interestingly, if we, if we notice a little uh, in depth, you realize that when you go to a dinner with your friends or when you're having an evening conversation with family, you speak for hours, but, you, but you're never afraid of speaking. <laughs> you're not preparing yeah. when you're going uh, with friends for a dinner. That's because at those times, you're less conscious of yourself. Now, when you go on stage, we become too conscious of ourselves. So what's, what's running in our minds are things that should not be running in our minds, like our script or our self, self-consciousness or how we look or where are our hands? Is my voice modulating properly? Because right. we're trying to align with a defined set of rules, which is right and wrong. But you don't do that with friends over dinner. So you're more at yourself. So I've realized the best way to lose your fear of public speaking is, is to learn all of these tricks and techniques of public speaking in a way that's helpful for you. But then practice enough after that, that your mind is not on that. Your mind is just like is speaking to a group of friends over dinner. Then the fear moves away after a while. Absolutely, Ritya. Uh, that's incredible. And I think those are interesting insights on how you can also overcome your fear. And this thing I've also witnessed when you're sitting next to someone in your family, in your house. So you're comfortable talking to them, to a friend also. Because you know you will not be judged by someone. You know that even if you fail, it's okay to fail with people whom you are comfortable around. But yes, with, with practice, it's something which you can overcome. And unless you step into this world of public speaking, you can never overcome this fear. The other one is practice, Harmeet, because I, I ask this um, provocative example to people who say, Aditya, I'm afraid of speaking. How, what do I do? I, I, I ask them this question. If, you, if I give you a bowl of rice and give you a spoon and to ask you to eat it, how many pieces of rice will fall down? They say, of course not. I'll eat it properly. I can even close my eyes and eat it. Then I say, if I give this bowl of rice to a small kid, say three years old, and ask the kid to do the same thing. Uh, they'll say the kid will be very messy. Most of the rice <laughs> will fall down. 
But I asked them, why? What's the difference? They say the kid has never really eaten rice, isn't it? It's the first time. It's the, the, the coordination isn't there. I said, why is it different for you? Because I've eaten it a hundred million times in my life. Two meals a day for 30 years. So obviously, I'm good. I said, exactly. How many times have you spoken on stage? They say, once when I was in my fifth grade in school and once in college. I said, of course, you've got to be afraid then. How can you be? <laughs> How can you not be afraid? You do anything a hundred times. Uh, then your fear dissipates. So without practice and stage time, intellectually, you cannot get out of the fear of public speaking without practice. That's like that's like learning to swim by reading a book on swimming. You'll still be afraid <laughs> of water, isn't it? Even if you've learned swimming through a book. So even if you attend hundreds of speeches or education sessions on public speaking, your fear won't be removed unless you get on stage and take that out. Absolute actions speak louder than the words. Uh, so, Atya, while I was growing up, whenever I used to hear the word public speaking, I always had this image of influential leaders, Martin Luther King, whose speech "I Have a Dream," or even Barack Obama, whose speeches like "Yes, We Can." So, how you feel the public speaking has changed over the last fifty years? There are some things that are eternities, Harmeet. I believe that. human beings the emotions that get triggered in human beings are same whether it be mark antony's speech uh, through shakespeare or through martin luther king or through uh, any any famous address that we know of which is the fear of tapping into audiences um, guilt or fear you know people ask sometimes why has religion been so successful over the thousands of years uh, and people some researchers found out it taps into two basic emotions of uh, fear and guilt um it shouldn't be good religions ideally should not tap into those but <laughs> religion has become systemized because it taps into two uh, primal emotions that is fear of not doing something and guilt of not doing something isn't it so public speakers understand uh, emotions of audience as well i believe that good public speakers are first good psychologists <laughs> wow is because audiences are not rational beings you may learn public speaking rationally saying let me learn hand gestures let me learn eye contact let me learn vo- voice modulation but your audience is not rational meaning if you have an example uh, if you have to choose between what connects with the audience more and at one hand you want to talk about the world war 2 well when 25 million people died on the other hand you have an example of your iphone getting scratched this morning now any rational person would tell you that 25 million people dying is of much larger magnitude in terms of loss than an iphone right. getting scratched but on that day your audience may find it so much more relatable if you say have you ever bought something new and it got scratched that morning how did you feel they may feel so much more hollower they may feel so much they may feel the weight of it so much more than me telling 25 million people died it's not their fault it's because they're not able to relate to it as much as they can relate to this so public speaking is irrational uh public speaking is not a rational processing which is better let me use that example so good yeah. public speakers whether it be do the king whether it be any of you people you you mentioned uh are able to tap into those primal emotions so that's the one that's common across generations now what's different is that uh the channels of speech have changed a lot 
the body language and the extent of expression you require has changed a lot. Also, the value add of a speaker is different, isn't it? A lot of speakers still around 30 years ago, Hermit, were expected to give a lot of information in their speeches because you don't have the internet to go back and learn from. Normally, right. the normally the audiences are normal people and the public speaker is a more educated intellectual. So they can't get that source of information anywhere else than from this person. Now, the value add of a public speaker is not to give additional information. I can Google that. Value add of public speaker is to motivate, to influence, to persuade. That, I, that Google can't do to me. So in that sense, the value add of public speaking is changed. Fantastic, Aditya. Uh, I want to take your attention towards uh, something which is more prevalent nowadays in our society. Every other day, I see a post on social media talking about how to be a good public speaker in 30 days, how to become a proficient public speaker in, let's say, 60 days. So any tips for aspiring or budding public speakers who are just venturing out in this field as to how they can look for and opt for a genuine public speaking mentor amidst all this noise? Yeah, one of the one of the yardsticks or litmus tests that I like offering people who have this uh, is are you being given rules or are you being given principles when someone's telling you things? So, see, firstly, I used to, I used to first mock these people who say learn public speaking in thirty days, fifteen days, eight ways to do this, ten ways. <laughs> um, the clickbaits, right? But uh, but then I realized, I mean, it's not their fault. They want to make money, and as long as there is a gullible crowd, there's always this. Um, this merchant who's there to sell something. So it's been happening for thousands of years. But the point is, can the consumer understand what to look for before choosing a guide or a coach or mentor? And I like to tell people, don't fall for rules or traps. Meaning, even in Toastmasters, if someone tells you, uh, Harmeet, everything was great in your speech, but you should have divided the stage into three parts and you should have done that. Now, at the sound of it, it looks like, wow, that's a great tip. But if you see that's still a rule, the reason it's a rule is they haven't answered why is that going to create more impact? Is it because somebody told them that you have to divide the stage and stage space a particular way? Now you've got to ask them, all right, so if I divide the stage into three and pace accordingly, how is that making my speech better? Well, it helps you connect with the audience. But who said that? Why should it help me better? I mean, Gandhi never moved on stage. Martin Luther King never moved on stage. Obama never moved on stage. Swami Vivekananda never moved on stage. And you think this Toastmaster moving on stage will add more impact than them. Wow. Then they realize, oh, I don't know, Aditya, but someone told me that I'm just passing it on to you. Then you realize <laughs> it's hollow. It's hollow. Uh, the face of it, it looks like terrific feedback. But if you... If you analyze it, it's hollow. Now, people who are able to teach principles, which is not about do this or don't do this, but are able to invite you to the why behind it, saying, Aditya, let's think first principle. Why are you on stage at all? What's the principle? Now, the principle is you want the audience to feel a certain way after your speech. Now, what does that principle require as things you need to do? Then you are thinking for yourself and you are creating your own rules. 
that may be applied, applied for your speech. So mentors are people who allow people to think for themselves by establishing principles, not, not, not rules of do this or don't do that. Right. So that's, for me, a very important yardstick before you choose a mentor. Thank you uh, for uh, putting some light on that, Aditya. And you talked about a very, very powerful word. That's mentor. You know, mentors are people who can guide you to where you want to go in life. They can cut down those 10 years you might take to reach a particular place in your life and cut it down to, let's say, five years. So I want to ask you this. Who have been your mentors in life? And what role they have played in your life to make you the Aditya as we all see you today? I I do have a lot of inspiration from a very diverse set of people, Harmeet. I can't think of a person who's like come down like Christ and transformed my life. (laughs) Uh, uh, But I can think of a lot of people who've been very useful, both people who have directly mentored me. That is, I've had a physical um, uh, conversation with them. And people I've just who probably from even a different era, but thanks to technology and YouTube that I've drawn a lot of inspiration from. A few examples would be um, around the time I was just started my career, uh, a few years into my career, was when the 2008 um, American elections happened. And uh, for people of that generation, Obama was very inspiring at that time when he was delivering those uh, fired up, ready to go, all those speeches, his famous speeches. So that was very inspiring for me. Another person who's very inspiring for me is um, old, uh, famous people from uh, the 70s and 80s in, in Las Vegas, like Don Rickles, uh, Dean Martin. The entire they, they they taught me that you can make being on stage cool and sexy, and it doesn't just need to be like you know always some leadership material. You can just be yourself, and still people may like it. So depending on my own interests, I've tried to draw inspiration from a lot of people. In terms of leadership, uh, DTM Deepak Menon is my mentor, and uh, he's one of the most terrific people and friends that I've been blessed to have, and uh, and and I've drawn a lot of inspiration from him. Uh, Aditya, you have competed with the best of the best. You have been uh, the finalist for 2014. You have participated in 2015 and 17 international conventions of public speaking. So can you share any learnings from competing at the world stages? Absolutely. The first learning is counterintuitive. The first learning is that we assume that when we get to the world stage, it's going to be a confluence of cultures, people from different nationalities, and uh, we go to none of our jokes will work there, none of our on- context will work there. But then you counterintuitively realize basic emotions are the same. Uh, people around the world, whether you're a Christian, Hindu, Muslim, or whether you're an American, Middle Eastern, or Indian, wherever you're from, Chinese, everybody has hope for a better tomorrow. Everybody loves their family. Everybody likes to be validated or recognized. Everybody likes to have a lighthearted good time. Everybody likes to make friends. Everybody likes to have a social circle. So there are a lot of, there are more things common than different in audiences around the world, even though they are from 100 different countries. So one of my first learnings was not to put too much pressure on myself to try to divide them and conquer, meaning 
this joke will appeal to this group, that line will appeal to these people. I realize if I'm able to find that least common de denominator, where, which is common for everybody, uh, that's a greater technique for me to win than trying to see them as different. The second thing that's uh, learning for me, uh, Harmeet, was uh, it's that famous example, isn't it? So if I put a, a six feet log on the floor and ask you to walk on it, you would walk on it easily. But if I place the same log between two buildings that connect at the 30th floor and ask you to walk on that log between the two buildings, like say the Petronas Towers or something, then you'd be petrified, terrified, horrified to walk on it. <laughs> well, nothing has really changed in the, in the length and breadth of the log, um, uh, but your perception of danger has totally changed, isn't it? Perspective, yeah. Correct. And there are more chances that you will fall down actually when you're walking at that height. You would never right. fall down if it's placed on the floor. So I learned that the pressure at the World Championship was more of a psychological or mental pressure rather than an actual pressure because we've been doing five to seven minute speeches all our lives, haven't we? <laughs> then right. suddenly, why is there so much more attention and pressure just because it's the World Championship? Once you call the bluff of that, then, then it's just another speech. But that needs to be experienced by each person as they go through the journey. That was a big lesson for me. And in 2017, I barely had any pressure or barely had any anxiety before getting on stage. But in 2015, I had more of that. So at the, shifting this conversation from public speaking to slightly towards leadership, in your role as a management consultant, you have traveled across the country solving business problems. You have been a trusted advisor to the CEOs. You have worked with the senior leadership of organizations at MNCs, uh, family-owned institutions. So you have worked with the top leaders from across the globe. You must have seen leadership through different lenses as well. So how do you define leadership? Leadership is very difficult to define leadership through what causes it. It's easier to define leadership through the effect it creates because we can debate till time, time's end what creates good leadership. Some people say leaders, leadership is the ability to influence. Some people say leadership is the ability to show the way, know the, gay, know the way, go the way. You know, you can create all this fancy stuff. But it's all of that. But it's easier, Harbit, to define leadership in terms of the effect it creates on, um, on businesses and people around. And one of the effects that leadership creates is what I call psychological safety. Uh, a good leader I've seen, I've worked uh, with, with governments, I've worked with MNCs, I've worked with NGOs, I've worked with, as you said, family-owned uh, businesses. I've seen that leadership, one common denominator of good leaders, and by good leaders, I mean not just people leadership, but also business leadership, are people who are able to create psychological safety for people and their ecosystem around them. What is psychological safety? Psychological safety is the ability to allow others to be themselves, allow uh, minimize threats. Like we've all had bosses uh, who've created a very negative climate and environment for us where we were anything but our best, isn't it? Even the skills right. and talents that you had, which you could see a year ago under some other boss, 
was curbed and limited under this boss. And then you even started questioning yourself, am I bad or is it is the situation, what's wrong? Now, that's because of the depletion of psychological safety. Even a kid feels psychological safety in the presence of the mother or father, isn't it? So even as adults, we don't need physical safety as much as we need psychological safety. Uh, we need to feel wanted. We need to feel uh, relevant. We want to feel that our ideas are appreciated. So a good leader is someone who creates psychological safety, not just in people, but also in the ecosystem, like the vendors, the suppliers, the, the, the manufacturers, the, the customers, the, the, the distributors, whatever be your ecosystem, uh, your company radiates psychological safety. So I think a very important definition of leaders are those who are able to deploy psychological safety really well. That's very beautiful. I think that's one of the finest insights I've heard about leadership in a very long time. Aditya, in the same context, have you seen some common mistakes which leaders make and probably how we can avoid them? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, more, I'm going to tell you something which happens generation after generation, isn't it? When the new work, think of the time, Harmeet, when you joined the workforce and uh, you looked up to your managers and thought, oh, they, they, are, they get into politics, they work in silos, they don't collaborate, they don't care for people, they exploit. But then that manager, when he was a fresher, looked at his manager and thought about the same thing and also said, when I become a manager, I will never become like that. So true. But we all succumb into that because... There is something about being a manager or leader either gives you power that corrupts you or uh, it, it, it makes it's a tough job to do. So firstly, I think we all need the humility to understand that if we were in their shoes, we may not be necessarily different. We may be different. We should be different. We hope we are different. Right. But we may necessarily not be different because generation after generations have looked up and said, when we get there, we won't do that same mistake. But generation after generation end up getting there and doing the same mistake, if not worse. When a, when a software engineer becomes a team leader, he's necessarily not a more charismatic leader than his manager was when that manager was a team leader who he did not like at all. So I think, I think it starts with a lot of introspection. Uh, number two is uh, when we say leaders, they are human beings as well. They have their own positives and negatives, and they are also a bundle of goods and bads. So there is no God-sent leader per se. Now, it's useful for a leader, an aspiring leader, to be able to understand that leadership is situational, meaning my leadership styles that I show as a leader necessarily is a function of two things. One is um, the person that I'm leading. Number two, the context or the culture, the environment that I'm leading in. So two different, two different, two same people uh, maybe needing two very different styles of leadership from me to get work done. Right. And similarly, the same person in two different contexts may need very different kind of uh, leadership to get things done. So again, as I said, good communicators are good psychologists. Good leaders are good psychologists as well because they understand that 
it is not one size fits all. It is uh, depending on the person that I'm leading and the situation that he or she finds himself in. I will change my leadership style accordingly. Uh, do I need to be a little more micromanaging? Yes, a newcomer who has no idea of the project may want someone to micromanage. But the person who has been in the project for five years may detest someone who micromanages. So a leader yeah. understands uh, where to deploy what leadership style. And probably where to attach and detach at the same time. Attach and detach from what you think is the right leadership style and reconnect with what is required in the situation. Instead. Absolutely. Aditha, you talked about someone starting his journey in the corporate world as a software developer, becoming manager, a team lead, and then becoming a leader. So how do we convert managers into great leaders? Or let's say, how do you groom the next generation of leaders? The role of leadership, again, like we spoke for public speaking, is changing over the last 30 to 40 years. Uh, in my work with leadership teams uh, and leaders across the world, now in the UK, before that in Asia Pacific, uh, we are able to say certain things very strongly these days. The celebrity CEO is gone. It's a very popular statement we make. Uh, there's no 20th century was all about celebrity CEOs, the alpha male, the alpha male who stands up and defines the industry. But now we realize the 21st century, because the access of information is so is so democratized to everybody. Uh, most things are democratized to the entire world. Because the internet, you can you can you know 90% of what there is to know. So the role of leadership is not being a celebrity CEO, but the role of leadership is is leadership teams uh, going forward, which means to groom leaders of the future, they necessarily need to have a greater sense of emotional intelligence or a greater sense of team camaraderie, a greater sense of interpersonal skills than just standing up as an alpha male and saying, let's go for a war, let's go to a war. You know, that's the alpha male of the past. So right. I think most organizations are putting a lot of money these days, Harmeet, on building leaders with a very high EQ, building leaders with a lot of interpersonal skills rather than just building leaders who have charisma that was defined by the 20th century. So do you think uh, leadership is all about being natural? Is it something which comes to you naturally or can it be learned? Well, this is a this is a age-old question. Uh, is it nature or nurture? Is it natural or can it be learned? We don't know the answer. The modern science says that there is there is a gene, there is a there is a leadership can be traced back to a DNA to an extent. Uh, but a lot of what people do through self-effort also counts. So I think there is a bit of leadership, uh, charisma, which is natural, uh, but uh, but that is not the only way to lead. A lot of leaders these days in organizations, you don't even know who the CEO is, but that's a person who's an introvert sitting in the back end. Like take Sundar Pichai, for example, right? The CEO of Google. He's probably a very, in a, a typical American definition of charisma, he's nowhere. He's a very average uh, uh, appealer. If he enters the room, nobody's going to stop and look. You know, he's just another guy. He's a very non-American CEO of the 20th century. But he's very effective yeah. because uh, he has his own way of doing things. So I think there are going to be hundreds of ways of being a leader in the future. The yardstick is psychological safety 
and are you being able to be effective in the similar context aditya while growing up uh, leaders for me they were more like ratan tata or let's say narayan murthy these were the kind of leaders who were the role models in our houses and uh, in the recent years we have seen uh, people like yon musk jeff bezos the global world leaders so in the next couple of decades what kind of leadership you feel we're going to see more often is it going to be more leaders like the tatas the narayan muthis of the last decade or it's going to be something on the lines of ion masks we are in a place now at least this is my uh, this is my guess this is, we are in a place now where organizations or leaders who are able to take real problems of the world uh, are the ones who are going to survive so i think one of the most important characteristic of leadership in the future will be a purpose uh, purpose led leadership meaning it's not about just a goal or an objective or a target what's the movement that you're inspiring what's the purpose that you are aligning your organization towards like musk uh, it can be a crazy guy but he's very popular because uh, his his purpose is to is to save the world isn't it colonize mars and tomorrow right. if we have screwed up this world enough he has created a new home for us so that's right. such a huge purpose and 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 when he has that purpose you end up solving even unsolvable constraints like uh, cheap rockets that can uh, that can be reused who thought that could be possible <laughs> absolutely so, so so leaders of the future not all of us can be musk but leaders of the future Uh, are people who are able to tie tie their business objectives with a purpose that's larger than themselves or even larger than their businesses i think the world will go that way especially the post pandemic world people may end up questioning um consumer consumer capitalism just for the sake of it and going to tie things up with what are the main what 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 are real problems it could be inequality it could be poverty it could be lack of access to basic necessities it could be climate change and sustainability uh, it could be technology um or it could just be happiness i think the biggest uh, biggest industry in the next 10 years is going to be uh, wellness both physical and mental wellness yoga is already the most popular thing in the world now everybody has a yoga class but uh, the next 10 years it's also going to be mental being psychological wellbeing so right so all these are going to be businesses linked to a greater purpose and uh, and so leaders need to hop on to that bus the uh, rightly said by yoditya and something which is coming to my mind also is one of the billionaires his name is navin jan he's working on products and services where he says that diseases you know having a disease in your life it's it's going to be an optional it's going to be a choice whether you want to contact a disease or not so these are kind of people who probably will be leading revolutions with them it will be like revolutionary leaders they're not going to be creating just a minuscule changes at a time they're going to change the way we think and feel about humanity in total correct your idea needs to be phenomenal otherwise you're forgotten so i think this takes me to the final segment of the podcast which i call the one minute round i'm going to ask you a few questions and you will have a minute each to answer them sure what success means to you uh, success to me means uh, being peaceful i remember what gandhi said gandhi said uh, he is best paid who is satisfied <laughs> meaning you get a million million dollars but if you're not satisfied you're still not successful in your own mind isn't it the success to me means feeling that sense of peace that you can experience in everyday life 
couple of books which you recommend uh, people should read and maybe why over a decade ago i was really inspired uh, by this book called the happiness hypothesis by jonathan hyde jonathan hyde is a professor of uh, business ethics in uh, new york university stern business school i think so it was recommended by another professor uh, to me and that, that that was an interesting book because it combines western and eastern philosophy i would recommend that the other book i would recommend is um well depending on your profession you know some books are not are a bit superficial but they give great talking points if you're a consultant if you're a public speaker like books by malcolm gladwell books by uh, yuan harari books by nicholas taleb or, or like skin in the game or outliers or blink or sapiens these are books which are not that in depth in their research but they are very beautifully written so some of these books are useful to read if you want talking points in your profession so i would recommend one or two of that as well what's happiness for aditya uh, happiness to me today is as i said is um two things one is my ability to become better every single day becoming a better version of myself but also number two is people who are coming in contact with me are they also feeling happier as a result of their interaction with me uh, otherwise my own happiness becomes a little more selfish if it's just for me if i'm able to pass it on to people uh, who are in contact with me that 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 makes me happy the last line of your autobiography would read <laughs> i don't think i'll ever have a autobiography <laughs> the last line of my autobiography would read uh, everything said and done there was more done than said wow that's powerful so at the hayes uh, a last scenario you're standing in a room you're the only person in that room the lights are dim and suddenly someone walks and stands in front of you now this person is the younger version of aditya he stands in front of you he looks into your eyes and very sincerely he asks you what advice would you give to me to live a good life <laughs> wow you come with the deep questions harmit well uh, i don't think i would say anything fancy to that person uh, like do you hear these typical motivational speeches what would you tell your 10 year old self and 20 year old self i would probably i would probably advise that person to uh not take life too seriously um it probably is counterintuitive advice but i would say don't have such a strong grip on life that you invest all your peace and happiness on a thing or b thing or c thing right um just as a a young child becomes a teenager as a teenager looks back as the at the childhood and says ah why did i take those toys so seriously and a young adult looks at the teenager of his past and says why did i take those feelings so seriously and uh, if we look back at our 23 year old self and say why did i take that first first promotion or lack of it so seriously so at every point in time with with time you are able to see the bluff of your own mind so i would probably tell my um, more junior self don't take life that seriously because the moment you stop taking it seriously you're not doing a bad job 
you're able to engage with life with even more dynamism because now you have nothing to lose because you're not taking it seriously. Wow, wow. Thank you for that, Aditya. And it's been such a sheer privilege and honor to have you here today with us. Uh, what you've shared with us, probably one would have to spend a lot many years to go through a lot of books, meet a lot of people, travel to a lot of countries, and you have shared a gist of what you have learned so far in your life with the listeners today. And we're really, really honored to have you here today, Aditya. And uh, just one more thing before we uh, close this episode is, how people can reach up to you and connect with you. Sure. Uh, firstly, thanks, Harmeet. It was a pleasure speaking to you. Uh, you're a very pleasant and uh, easy person to speak to. So good job. And I hope you keep continuing this passion of yours. Uh, how can people connect with me? People can connect me easiest if it's uh, something specific. Write to me at aditya.maheshwaran at gmail.com. If you want to follow my work, um, what I write, what I speak, can connect with me on my official Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Aditya Speaks. Or always there is LinkedIn and Instagram to connect with us. <laughs> so any of the sources. Thank you so much, Aditya. And on the behalf of all the listeners of Hustle with Harmeet, we wish you the best for your journey ahead. Hope you go and create bigger impacts and change the lives of people for the better. Thank you, Harmeet. And same to you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hustle with Harmeet. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please don't forget to leave a 5-star review on the Apple Podcast. If you're listening to us on Spotify, do click on the follow button. If there's any feedback from this episode, you may write to us on harmeetspeaks at gmail.com. Also, do check out our Instagram handle at the rate hustle with Harmeet for all the latest updates. I'll catch up with you all next week. And yes... Remember, don't give up on your life and dreams. Keep working hard, keep moving ahead and keep hustling. Because one day, your success will make all the noise. This is your host, Harmeet Singh, signing off. Goodbye.